and welcome to the Seattle Coffee Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Pat, and joining me for this episode is Jake. How's it going, Jake? Good, Pat. Good. How are, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it is a kind of dreary day today, uh, just north of Seattle for me, so um, not as yeah, sunshiny as it same was Same for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so on the episode today, we're going to talk a little bit about how we select our coffee that we bring onto the website. We're kind of... Um, I don't want to say taking a break from our more educational content, but you know, the whole point of the show is to mix it up some. So I thought it would be fun to talk about some of the behind the scenes stuff at Seattle coffee gear. Um, but first, is there anything that you have been messing around with this week in terms of coffee or equipment, Jake? Actually? Yeah. So I've been using the Escazo I mini grinder oh, okay. at home, um, which is a grinder that we had a long, long time ago. And then we brought back um, and it's really compact and it's just really nice to, to use. And it has a nice feel um, and it performs really well for the size of it. So um, that's, you know, I've been doing both espresso and and some of my pour overs on there. And it's just cool. a nice, you know, easy to use stepless grinder and. It's been working out really well for me the last couple of weeks. That's cool. I've never, I don't even know if I've ever seen one of those in person. Uh, <laughs> so that's cool yeah, to hear that. They're, they're not, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're not as uh, commonplace, but for, you know, as uh, Scazo does make really nice, um, it's got like big burrs, it's got 55 millimeter burrs for what it is. Awesome. So it's, um, yeah, it's a cool little thing. Well, I am, um, Excited that the the forty three hundred is finally listed on our website, the Phillips forty three hundred. Um, it's I'm sure mm-hmm. that some people listening have <laughs> have heard about this machine in the past, but it's like coming over from uh, from Europe now finally, and we can finally like list it for people. Um, and it's a it's a cool update to those Phillips Super Autos. It has it kind of has like. Um, the some of the customizability you can get from the Seiko Excelsis, but kind of packed into the Philips line, like frame and stuff. Um, so it has like a, a screen on it that you can control with menu buttons. It's not a touch screen, but um, you can you can do you can adjust like drink parameters and stuff like that. Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited about that thing, and I I hope to. Uh, to, to snag one to take home for a while at some point because they're they're really um, it's it's a neat machine for its price point I think it offers like some really cool um, customization and just like information about what's going on in the machine while you're using it information on that screen that you usually don't get from um, machines kind of in its price range so yeah yeah I really like that machine too it's just it the, the screen is a huge update to that Phillips line and it I, I I've used it a couple times and I and I've always loved the both the coffee that came out and the user experience for sure yeah it's pretty good pretty good drink quality um, again all this like especially for the price point is the big thing to like mm-hmm. drive home is that it's got really the all the way from like the Carina at the the lower cost end of that line all the way up to um, the 4300, they just do a good job of um, putting a lot of value into those machines. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so it's it's a cool machine. Um, so before we get into um, our uh, main topic, we actually have a listener qu- listener question this week. Um, this is one of the first episodes that we're doing after our initial record a bunch of them um, up front. So this one's actually being recorded shortly 
before you hear it. Uh, so we have uh, an email from a listener. You can email us at questions at seattlecoffeegear.com if you have any questions or comments or thoughts or discoveries about coffee. Um, this week's question comes in from Richard. I'm not going to read the email word for word because it's pretty detailed, so, but thanks for sending it in, Richard. Um, essentially, what, what Richard has going on is he has a uh, Ranchilio Silvia Pid and a uh, Chemex, and he's grinding for both of them with a Barazza Virtuoso. And uh, he started having an issue with some clogging in the Chemex, and he did clean it out with some Urnex grinds. Um, but what is still occurring is that the, the the coffee is still clogging when he goes from the fine to the super coarse for the Chemex. He's getting clogged Chemex filters after like the initial pour um, and was wondering if we have any idea if it needs further cleaning, if the grinder needs further cleaning or if uh, the if there's something wrong with the grinder or, or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. So Richard, yeah. Thank you for sending in your question first and foremost. Um, I, you know, I don't think it's necessarily cleaning in this case. Um, I have a virtuoso myself. Um, and one thing to think about with, especially with Chemex filters and Chemex as a pour over is, uh, depending on the size of batch that you're doing. So if you're doing like a slightly larger batch, you know, uh, maybe above 35, 40 grams. Um, it depends on the size of your Chemex, of course, but you know, what, what you would consider a large batch, it could be airlocking on your initial pour. Uh, your filter can kind of get, uh, almost suctioned down to the sides of your Chemex, which doesn't allow, um, super good suction. There is the little lip on Chemexes to ensure that this doesn't happen quite as much. But what I would do if, if I was troubleshooting this is I would lift up uh, the, the piece that's on the lip of the filter and just see if that helps improve flow. Uh, and that's, that would be the first thing that I would do. Um, and Pat, do you have any other ideas? Yeah. So the other thing I would consider to, when you're going back and forth from a espresso grind to a, uh, slow brew grind, especially if you're going uh, pretty coarse for your Chemex grind is there's going to be some retention in the grinder, Anytime that you are grinding beans, it's pretty much there's very few grinders that get down to zero retention. So it's not that there's something wrong with your grinder. It's just really hard to develop an affordable grinder that doesn't have some uh, grounds retention where it some of the grounds get stuck up in the chute and then they tend to get pushed out by more grounds that are coming out. So you can take it apart. You can you can bang on the the top of it, which is what I usually do, which is maybe not the best thing for your grinder. Um, but uh, and what I would say is when you are switching from your espresso and going coarse for your Chemex, when you are grind, once you have your grind done, check your grind and see if there's some espresso fine level grinds in there. Because what I think, I think it could definitely be the airlocking thing that Jake mentioned, but I think it could also be that you're actually getting, I mean, it can be a very small amount. It can just be a few grams of, um, finely ground uh, grounds for espresso that are getting mixed in with your coarse grinds for your Chemex. And when you transfer that to the filter, it makes sense to me that what would happen is you transfer it, you level it off, you do your initial pour, and you get some good flow. 
But what that's also doing is pulling all of those fines down into the filter to the tightest point of the filter, which is where the, the water is going to get backed up and clog. And then it's going to choke up the filter. So I think that could definitely be a possibility as well, is that you're getting some of those leftover fines from your last espresso grind. Um, definitely another good reason why it's great to have dedicated grinders for espresso and slow brew. And I also noticed in your email, Richard, that you mentioned that you are considering picking up a dedicated espresso grinder for under 500. I think um, in that price range, you can do uh, you can get a you can get a Eureka Minion Note, which is going to give you grounds quality that's like pretty equivalent to higher end Eureka Minion grinders that go up above that price range, but you get them at that at a lower price point. Um, it's just a more manual grinder than the higher end minions. So you have to kind of control the process a little bit more. But I also think it's a good thing for your first dedicated espresso grinder because it really gets you hands on with the grinding process. So that would be my recommendation for a good grinder at that price, like under that price. And and again, I think like that retention could definitely have something to do with with the issue you're seeing. Yeah, definitely. And another another suggestion I might make if um something with almost zero retention would be like a, like a set day class of grinder, you know, the 30, the 270, mm -hmm. the 270 WI, whichever one looks best to you in terms of features, they all kind of act and behave the same. Yep. And those have near zero retention. So that would also definitely eliminate your issue along with, um, because it's being a dedicated espresso grinder, you know, um, you would have good separation yep. and you should have good results with both. Yeah. Cool. Well, th thanks again for your question, Richard. We're going to get into our, uh, our, t our topic of the day, which is a little bit more about how we pick our coffee. Um, I think this is a fun subject because it's a place that we are really, we're always really excited about coffee in particular and the coffee program that we offer. So um, I thought it would be fun to kind of offer a little more transparency. We've talked about it a little bit here and there, like I've written blog posts about it and stuff, but, um, but, but it's a cool process. And, um, that's part of why I invited you on Jake also is because right now, normally it's a more collaborative process with our whole team at SCG. But right now it's mostly you and I, because we're still not back to the office in a position where everybody can be in a room talking about coffee together. Um, so it's mostly you and I, which, made it make sense for us to have the conversation here. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, every coffee that, uh, just to start off, every coffee that comes onto our website or that goes onto our website is basically curated by us yep. and selected by us. So we, um, very, very, very rarely, if ever, is there a coffee that we don't taste before it goes on the website? Yeah. I think the only thing I could think of is if there was like, a new Italian coffee that we already had assurances from a lot of our partners was good and we we knew we were going to list it so we put it up but even then we would still get samples sent to us so we could make sure it's good um exactly yeah and and really before it was actually sold to people anyway and I mean I can't think of a time I've been here for years and I can't think of a time that we've ever listed a coffee without tasting it personally um yeah 
Yeah, so. that's true. And that's just because of the longer, there's much longer shipping times to get samples over from Italy. I think yeah. that's part of the reason but why we do that. Still, that. we've done many tastings where we'll taste 10 Italian oh, yeah. coffees when we bring oh, on yeah. an Italian roaster in a day. So um, we taste all that stuff too. So that's kind of, you know, you mentioned samples. That's kind of the first part of our process is we have, um, I think we're still at over 40 roasters and mm-hmm. um, we get samples from them whenever they have a new wholesale coffee that they want to have uh, sold um, by partners. And we occasionally will solicit samples, but usually they're, they just send them to us when they have something new coming. That's You're usually the one who talks to them about that, though, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Most of the time, they'll... Um you know, we just ask that they put any coffees that they're really excited about into our regular shipments that go to our warehouses. Mm-hmm. And then um, those get distributed to us from there. Sometimes they mail directly. It uh, depends on how local they are. If they're local to us, you know, um, we'll have local Seattle-based roasters even bring them yep. to our office when they totally. have something that they're excited about. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, because of the way that blends and single origins tend to rotate. Um, we have a pretty steady stream. It's it's rare that there's a week like this week. I think I picked up four coffees yesterday that we'll be mm-hmm. tasting for next week's um, uh, ordering. And, uh, and, and last week I didn't have any, but a couple weeks ago we had like 13. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it just yep. depends. Every week is a little bit different. Um, and once we get the samples right now, we're splitting the samples up so that you and I can both taste them at home. And, uh, I know my process at home is just to pull out my trusty, uh, smart grinder that I have, um, and grind them up for pour over and then go through a list of them to, to taste as a, as a pour over. I just use a V60 for them and, um, it's, a little bit slow going at home because I have to make pour over after pour over and I don't have a full kit. Is that how you generally do it with just pour overs at home? Pretty much. Yeah. So if it's a single origin, I'll do, yep. I've got a virtuoso here. Um, I'll make a, a nice pour over. Uh, I'll generally space out, especially like those days that we have, you know, or those weeks that we have 10, 11, 12, sometimes yeah. even more than that. Um, you have to space them out. Otherwise you're going to get a little over caffeinated, um, by the end of the day. Uh, but yeah, just a virtuoso and a V60 keep everything else, um, equal. Like I use the same parameters and yep. same grind settings for every one, um, just so we can judge everything equally. And then, you know, if there's a coffee that I felt like didn't get extracted, um, to its fullest potential, I'll, I'll modify those after that. But for the most part, same parameters, um, same yield, everything just to make sure everything's equal. And one of the benefits of tasting lots of different coffees, not that my palate is as developed as some, you know, roasters and stuff, but we taste everything as a pour over. But if we get like an espresso roast, I might taste it as a pour over. But usually you can tell sipping the pour over if it's going to if it's going to have a flavor profile that's like, oh, well, this doesn't work for pour over, but surely it would for espresso. Um, when exactly. I, and then when. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go for it. Oh yeah, and then when we do get blends in, you know, I will I will definitely space that out onto um, quite a few more uh, brewing methods, like yep. actually espresso, super auto, uh, espresso, just to make sure that that works in those. Because yep. single origins, I think, tend to be pour over focused or drip. Um, you know, espresso is a little rarer in the single origin world. You can certainly try it out, but um, 
we tend to highlight the the tasting notes in the brew method that we find best. Yep. Yep. Um, when we are in the office, which, you know, hopefully later this year we'll be able to get back to this process. We had a really fun process where we would get everybody on our team and anybody from other teams who wanted to come for a tasting to come over and we would brew a batch of pour overs, like kind of like a flight um, and usually around four at a time. And same thing, same parameters. I use the same parameters at home roughly. It's, I use a different grinder because we do use a virtuoso in the office. Um, but but I generally do the same parameters uh, at home as we did there. And then everybody tastes it and gives their impressions and opinions and stuff. And um, when we're really on our game, we uh, are even taking like notes. So we're collecting everyone's tasting notes and uh, and and then using those to kind of help make decisions. And then when it comes to actually selecting the coffee, obviously the most important thing is that the coffee is good. Um, we're not going to bring on a bad coffee, <laughs> um, but uh, there's a lot of factors that go into selecting which coffees we're going to get outside of just the taste. If it's a delicious, like really, really good coffee, it's going to almost assuredly get listed on the website. But there can be like um, catches, like if the if it's a super small lot and we can't even mm -hmm. get enough then sometimes we have to unfortunately like not bring a coffee on like if we can only get 10 bags of a coffee it becomes really hard to make it work um logistically uh and um if we have like um like if it's a coffee that we think tastes really good but is really really hard to brew we might think about ways to bring it on or or maybe consider like just not bringing it on to, to try to avoid giving people a negative experience with like having a tough time getting the right flavor notes out of it. So there's a lot of, pro of factors into it beyond just the taste that kind of goes into how we select coffees. Definitely. Um, and it can also even things like, you know, if we have a week where we have five samples in and one of the roasters sent four of those five samples and we already have 15 coffees listed for that roaster we might go okay well <laughs> we have like they've been really busy recently and so rather than like flood the coffee section with just that roaster's coffee let's focus on getting this other did this the, some of these other roasters more in line so it just depends there's a lot of like little decision making things that go in there but the biggest thing is we don't bring back coffees on <laughs> exactly yeah yeah you know i don't think you know Definitely coffee tasting is subjective, but I think totally. everything that we, we've ever carried for at least for a long time is um, to somebody a, a really good coffee. Yeah, yeah. If everyone in the office hated a coffee, it would not make its way onto the website. But admittedly, it's pretty rare that that happens because part of it is and, you know, we can say like a little bit about this, we'll probably talk more about this in a, fully in another episode, but um we're pretty meticulous when we bring new roasters on. Um, mm -hmm. We taste a range of their coffees, their signature blends, some of their their single origins to make sure that they're a roaster, not necessarily a, a roaster that's good because we I don't feel like we can necessarily judge well, this is a bad roaster. This is a good roaster, but we want to make sure that it's a roaster that fits with what we're doing with our coffee program. So. The benefit of that is then we pretty rarely get coffees from our roasting partners that everybody doesn't like because 
we are pretty careful about bringing them on in the first place. Yep, exactly. So um, the the kind of like maybe boring bit for most people uh, is that next you, Jake, put the coffees into the website itself, um, which we won't get into the technical process, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, we kind of like pick the coffees together, then you get them up, right? Exactly. Yeah, we we basically when we select our coffees, um, I get them added to uh, the website, and that's how we you know we can order them from the roaster, and yeah, that's that's about it. You know, we take um, just the information that we have from the roaster and and put it up, and then get it ready so that when we do receive the coffee in, it's uh, ready to go. Yeah, and so I tend to, I, I'm the person who generally writes the pages for the coffee. So if you see the the coffee pages, um, it's the description stuff. Jake puts in the like um, the information on like the tasting notes and the sort of features you see at the top, and then I'll write the paragraphs that you'll see below it. And I used to take a, a approach to writing those pages that was very much focused on like just reiterating the tasting notes reiterating like saying some of the like drawing some comparisons with uh, mouthfeel and like body and stuff to other coffees or other foods or whatever um, and then just kind of recommending a brew method and I think that that can be effective to help people pick out their coffees but I've started to get a lot more invested in the story behind each coffee over the last year or so um, so there's a I'm making a big push now to really try to convey some of that because usually roasters do a really great job of really talking about, you know, this is where this coffee comes from. These are the people who worked on it. This is the processing station it went through. And, uh, this is like the, um, the lineage of the coffee because coffee is touched by potentially hundreds of hands before it gets to you. Um, and, it's really important to me to kind of convey that story. So we're talking a lot more about those things now in newer coffee pages. And it's been really exciting to, to kind of learn about. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, once we have the page up for the coffee, um, we will, uh, get it all live. Everybody can enjoy it and order it, but we have one other, thing that we do uh with the coffee program which is that we do our roast of the month uh selection as well um which you and i also kind of collaborate on yeah yeah and roast of the month is this is one of the nice and great parts about tasting every single coffee because then we can over the over the month um of coffee samples that we receive in your mind or you know we can write it down we just really highlight those super special coffees, whether it's by, you know, this is the best cup of coffee I've had all year or all month, um, or this is um, a coffee with an awesome backstory and sustainability footprint. You know, we can keep those in mind over the month. And then, um, yeah, as you said, we, we collaborate to determine, you know, depending on what came in for the last month, it, it truly is a selection of what we believe is, you know, the best coffee of the month, which I think is um, really good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's fun because we can kind of pick what best means for us that month. Some months it is really just like I taste 
where we taste something or it's just one of us because sometimes you know if if you really think one should be roast of the month i tend to, to support it um but taste it and it's just like whoa this has crazy good flavor notes and i haven't had a coffee with anything i haven't had anything like this for weeks and um and that's like a good reason to make it roast of the month. But then we also have, like you were saying, there's coffees that have um, really cool backstories that come from like, whether they're coming from um, specific like indigenous communities or um, women's producer lots or things like that, that, um, you know, again, we don't bring on bad coffees, so we would never make a coffee roast of the month that doesn't also taste good. But it's really fun because we can kind of go okay, well, this month we got this coffee with this great story. Of course, it has to be Roast of the Month. It also lets us do fun stuff like, you know, maybe we brought on a new roaster and they happen to we happen to bring them on right as they have a really incredible new blend or something, and we can kind of put those two things together. Um, I know earlier this year we did, like, Tony's anniversary blend for Roast mm-hmm. of the Month, and great coffee, but also it was just fun to highlight that blend because it was celebrating, like, a ton of their achievements over the last year. Yep. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That was a fun one because, yeah, we've been long, very long time partners with Tony's, um, and they're always great with their um, yeah. blends and a well deserved reward. Yeah, we also try generally to like. <laughs> there's some roasters that every one of our roasters sends us great coffee all the time, and then there's some roasters that will have a run of like, oh, the last four months, Brandywine has just been knocking it out of the park, and we try not to necessarily like do the same the the the, we want to keep roast the month um fresh because the point is that it's a coffee that if you're looking at our big wall of coffee that is on the website and you don't know what to pick and you're kind of just like getting some refrigerator vision here's one that we think would be really great for you to try because of x y and z so part of that means we don't necessarily want to highlight the same origins and the same roasters every single month um, because we want to give you like kind of a, a, a sampling and an overview of really good coffees with that kind of award, as it were. Um, so we do sometimes have to stop ourselves from <laughs> just going, oh, wait, no, we've done three blue beards this this year already <laughs> kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're, you know, at the end of the day, they're always just great coffees no matter what. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I totally agree with you there. And roast of the month is fun because it involves, you know, we do this whole selection process and then um, we collaborate on like doing a video. You and I have been doing the videos. Allie and I occasionally do the videos remotely. Once we're able to get back in studio, we'll be able to do videos side by side and we'll have a wider range of people on them. Mm -hmm. um, So they're not these home recordings. Uh, And the video is really fun to do uh, because we get to talk about what different people are tasting on it instead of it just being like stuff that I'm tasting and feeling. Um, and then we'll do, we usually include the roast of the month in an email and I do a little write up for it on the blog. We get it posted to our socials and stuff. So it's a, it's a fun kind of, um, I don't know, like it's, it's very much like speaks to the hobby part of coffee that I think is, is fun that we still get to touch Definitely. Yeah, I totally agree. It's like a very collaborative. Um, it's just like sharing our thoughts around a campfire, but with coffee. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why uh, you can maybe look from the outside sometimes like it's more like just a marketing initiative or something to try to sell 
specific roasts, but it, it actually is like a really engaging, fun process, I think, for um, for everybody who gets involved in it. And we always are encouraging people from around the company to uh, to, to, to share their thoughts and get in on it as well um, as much as they like. So uh, I don't know. Did you have any other thoughts on our selection process? That's kind of a high level overview, but I think we got got to some the, yeah. the specifics pretty well. No, I think that's a, I think that's a really good overview. Um, just highlighting, yeah, all the all the steps that even after all the steps that the coffee has had to be made, and then all the steps it has to <laughs> yeah. get to your doorstep. Our job is for sure the the easiest part of mm-hmm. the whole process, but uh, but but definitely, um, and uh, and and you know we're always interested too. I mean, if you have any thoughts on 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 our our coffee selection and pages, you, you know, let us know because we're we're always interested in improving um, what we have to offer and the process as much as we can too. Um, so uh, with that, you know, a little bit of a shorter episode today, but um, we had some cool stuff this week to talk about. And um, we really appreciate that you joined us for this episode of the Seattle Coffee Gear podcast. Uh, If you have any questions, like we said earlier, that you would like to have read on the podcast, let us know at questions at seattlecoffeegear.com. And uh, if just in case, if you throw in there that it's in the subject line that it's a podcast question, that helps me because I kind of sort through them. So um, sometimes they can get lost in a sea of emails. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to let us know in a review on your podcast platform of choice. And of course, for all your coffee needs, be sure to check out seattlecoffeegear.com and head over to our blog and YouTube for more educational and informative content about all things coffee. We will see you next episode.